The Bible reading tonight is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and it is verses 12 to 28. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Brothers and sisters, pray for us. Greet all God's people with a holy kiss. I charge you before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers and sisters. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. It's not a good start. Evening. Good to see you. Good to be at church. Uh, Shout out to the crew that went to kick this weekend. Yeah, so good. Heard it was great. Um, I was so jealous of them. Both, um, both my previous mentors were speaking at Kick this week, and I didn't get to see them, but they got to see them. It was pretty. They're good, right? They're all right. Yeah, cool. Good. Pressure's on. I'll give them a call later and let them know. So good to have you at church tonight and to start off a new series. Uh, I'm going to pray and then we'll uh, jump in. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you that we get to be here, and we get to be here uh, not as individuals but as a community. That we get to be here with you and with each other. Father, you are big and we are small and we are a community under you. And Father, as we learn how to live together and learn how to love you together, uh, be with us, be present with us and be at work in us in the midst of all that. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, We're starting a new series that goes for about five weeks. Uh, That series is called uh, Road Signs for Life. Um, The base of the series is uh, the idea that uh, in life you walk through different circumstances, different things happen. And as you're walking through life, uh, as Christians, we don't just like make up stuff as we go along. We have like serious like indicators or signs or a story that we live within. It helps us know how to make decisions along the way, how to think about things, how to uh, filter through things. It gives us um, stop points and moments to reflect. We're not just making it up as we go along. We have signs, signs that help us to make decisions along the way. Now, oh, uh, if you want to follow along the slides uh, live tonight, there's a link up there, or you can have the slides on your phone. Um, slides live will change when I change the slides. Slides that, we can just flick through all the images. They're there if you want to enjoy that little bit of technology. I like that stuff. No, yeah, if you don't, it's fine. Uh, here's what the series looks like. Uh, first one, living with others. Uh, next week, living with less than living with me, living with criticism. That's not me as in me. It's like you. Um, and then living with work. All right, here's a structure for tonight. And so think about living with others. What is that like? What is the experience of that like? 
What does it feel like? Then we'll look at God's Word and 1 Thessalonians and see what can living with others look like? What can the experience be? And last of all, uh, ask the question of how can we live with others? All right, love you to have your Bibles open. Uh, we're going to walk pretty tightly through 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 12 through to 15. Let me jump in straight in there. Oh no, I'm going to talk about living with others first. The fascinating thing about living with others is that it is both one of the most glorious things of life and it is also one of the most garbage things of life. Living with others can sometimes give you that experience or where you feel like you are flying. There is nothing that can touch you, where you are filled with the greatest amounts of joy. Living with others can also give the experience of wishing you perhaps didn't exist. Which is simply to say, living with others has an incredible effect upon who you are. It has an incredible effect upon who you see yourself as, it has an incredible effect upon the decisions you make each day, we are a product of relationships around us. When I think about um, my life, I think about the people that have had an effect upon me. I think about people that um, have taught me how to love people and taught me how to not love people. I think about people that have cried with me and have laughed with me. And they've made me me. I'm a compilation of so many different moments and relationships. I'm a compilation of um, sitting down with Hayden Smith and talking about theology. Um, I'm a compilation of sitting down with Ron Irving and learning what truth and grace really is all about. Compilation of people. And as I have coffee with people, they get added to the list of people that have influenced me and affected me. Relationships are significant. They affect how we are. They affect how we exist. They affect our mental, emotional and physical selves the fact that I have a cold right now is the implication of living with my daughter who also had a cold last week. But interestingly enough, I think one we may not think about as much is that um, how we live with other people affects their spirituality. Yes, everyone has their own individual relationship with God by the power of the Holy Spirit, but your relationship with God is affected by the people that you are in relationship with. Um, I've talked to lots of people, I've had this horrible conversation many times, of people that are moving on from a church. Sometimes it's a joyous conversation, sometimes it's a really hard conversation. Very rarely is it that we are talking about doctrine as they walk out the door. Often, they're upset by someone hurting them. Or they're disappointed in how people lived as a community. Or they feel the burden of relationships that just didn't work out. We're not often talking about penal substitutionary atonement. Relationships affect how people engage with God. They affect how they grow with God. Sometimes people, uh, people that aren't even followers of Jesus uh, don't want to come to church because of the people that are at church. And in the positive version, sometimes people only come to church because the people are at church. The garbage and the glory. Relationships are significant they affect us. They affect how we engage with Jesus. They affect how we live life. Paul knows this. He talks about, in nearly every one of his letters, there's always a little section about community and what it means to live together. He understands that faith is both vertical, your engagement with God, but also horizontal. Did I get those right? That's right, yeah. That's right. Um, horizontal, that you are engaging with people. 
You chose who to sit next to tonight. Or you felt like you couldn't sit next to anyone tonight. Your very experience of this building right now is implicated by the relationships with other people. Relationships affect us. You affect other people. So we need to think about them really carefully. If you're not a follower of Jesus tonight, you're like, Farah, this sermon's a bit intense. Uh, it's okay. We're just, you're just getting an insight into how Christians think. We really care about people. We really care about how we love people and care for them. This is what Christians do. We really actually care. And so we think deeply and intensely about what does it mean to be in relationship with others. All right, love to have Bibles open. We'll jump into 1 Thessalonians 5. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge, that those, uh, acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you. Who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you. A shallow reading of this would be, hey, let's celebrating ministers. We should celebrate ministers, get them up each week on the stage and go, you guys are wonderful. No, it's not what it's saying. What it's saying is, there is value and beautiful value in a person within a community who cares for other people and who admonishes them. And it's not just care just like as an idea, but it's care with a purpose. It's an action that has a direction. Care and admonish with is our actions. Admonish means to warn someone. We don't use admonish very much. Uh, but care and admonish means, to, uh, admonish means to warn someone. So to care for someone and warn someone with the direction of the Lord. They're actions that have a direction. Because the thing is, you can care about someone, but it's really about you. And you can also warn someone, but it's really about you. You can win an argument, and it's about you. Or you can warn someone in the Lord. There's a direction, there's a desire, there's a longing for that relationship that that person will be led more towards Jesus. That you would care for them in such a way, that you would warn them in such a way that they would want Jesus more. That they would walk in the Lord, that they would be safe in him. It's a wonderful, beautiful little piece that Paul is giving us of what Christian community can look like or what life with each other can look like is that we care for each other in the Lord. We warn each other in the Lord. We have action and we have direction. We have purpose as we live amongst each other. Next he says, uh, hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work and live in peace with each other. Live in peace with each other. So fascinating to think about that. Even the phrase, keep the peace. You can keep the peace and it can be fake peace or false peace. It's peace that is just like, let's keep everything kosher. Let's just not bring that up because that would be awkward. It's not real peace. It's just peace that's ignoring the truth. It's peace that doesn't acknowledge there's a hurt there. It's peace that doesn't go, actually this is important. So Christian peace isn't, isn't one where we just ignore that other people have done wrong. It's letting go of things that might be slightly disruptive. It doesn't mean just covering up things. We seek peace with each other. We live in peace with each other, which means acknowledging sometimes we hurt each other, which comes up a bit later. We live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone. So Paul goes on here and he, he gives, he's giving us tools to live with others right now. Warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, and be patient with everyone. He doesn't say encourage the idle. 
He doesn't say encourage the disruptive. He doesn't say warn the disheartened. There are particular tools that he is pointing at, helping us to think about how we love each other, how we think about each other. Recognising that people are in a particular place and time and they need particular things. As you walk around this room, as you uh, share time together after tonight, you will have different conversations. And in those conversations, you have different tools that you can use. Sometimes as we live together, we use our tools badly. Sometimes, sometimes it's like we are painting a wall with a hammer. Sometimes it's like we're building a house with a toothpick. We're using tools not how they're meant to be used. We warn those who are idle and disruptive. In the context of the Thessalonians, there were some in their community uh, who were refusing to work and contribute to the community life. They were idle. And they also caused pain because they would stir up rumours amongst everyone else and cause everyone to be um, uh, disruptive, as in uh, ununited, cause disunity between everyone within the community. They were idle and they were disruptive. So the loving thing was to warn them and encourage the disheartened who were hurting and help the weak, but with all people to be patient with everyone. Different tools. As you love people, as you engage with others in community, you have different tools in conversations. You have different tools that you can use to love each other, to care for each other. You can warn, you can encourage, you can help, always being patient. And make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong. This is super interesting phrasing because he could have said, make sure nobody does anything wrong. He doesn't. He actually assumes that within a community, people are going to do things wrong to each other. He actually assumes that in the context of living together, of doing life together, we will hurt each other. We will hurt each other. We will do wrong to each other. We're sorry in advance. One of the most uh, powerful um, parenting moments uh, I ever had uh, wasn't, wasn't a parenting moment, it was like parenting advice. When I was um, about to have kids, I used to ask all the dads parenting advice. And this one old dad, he said to me, Miles, what you need to understand about parenting is uh, you are going to sin against your kids. And I was like, dude, I just wanted to like, just tell me to read bedtime stories before we go to bed. That was a bit intense. But his point was, Miles, as someone who was being uh, slowly changed by Christ, who's someone who was struggling with sin, you were going to have, you're going to have a negative effect upon your child. You were not going to be the perfect dad. We are not going to be the perfect community. If you're a part of this place, you need to know that. Because one day, something's going to happen. We're going to hurt each other. And in that moment, you might just want to leave. Because you expected, these people are Jesus followers, they're perfect. We're not. That's why we're Jesus followers. We're going to hurt each other. We're going to do wrong. It's a wonderful opportunity to love and care for each other, not an opportunity to leave and escape. The second part of it is uh, uh, nobody pays back wrong for wrong. Um, I, I feel like I experience this all the time, is that um, when people hurt us, our temp- temptation is to hurt them back. It's not always in obvious ways. Like, you know, sometimes you do just respond back like, you know, my kids are in the back room, they're going to laugh at this, but, you know, when one hits the one, the other hits the other. Like, it's just back and forth of like, yeah, I'm going to hurt you because you hurt me. But the way we do it is much more sneaky sometimes. 
Sometimes someone hurts us and then our temptation is to talk about them to someone else. To wrong them not to their face but to behind their back, to gossip about them. That is a wrong that is not open but it is secretive. That is a wrong that hurts and destroys communities and lives together. Sometimes we wrong each other by not talking to each other about the conflict we're having but by talking to someone else about it. We create conflict triangles. We cause damage to each other through our gossip. Those are one of my hardest experiences of Christian community to see that happen. It's one of the hardest things to experience as a pastor. See the hurt that is caused by our gossip behind each other's backs. In love, Nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but we seek each other's good. The beautiful thing about that statement is uh, we always strive to do what is good for each other, which means we're moving towards the other. We are striving to do good for them. We are investing in them. Rather than in our pain when someone hurts us, we walk the other way and we hide. In our hurt, we walk towards each other. and say, I'm for your good. Even though you are hurting me, I am for your good. No wrong for wrong, but we respond with good. We care and admonish in the Lord. We live at peace with each other. We warn, we encourage and help each other. And we don't pay pay back wrong, but we seek each other's good. There's beautiful characteristics of what, what community, what life together can be, what we can live in and experience. How do you feel when you look at that list? Whenever I experience a list of to-dos, my general response, this might just be where I'm at at the moment, my general response is guilt and burden. I'm like, oh man, so much more to do. So many more things to live up to. More expectations to try and succeed at. It seems like when we have lists of like attributes like this or lists we hear things in church of like the things to do, uh, what they become is they become opportunities for one of two things. Um, either we condemn ourselves for not living up to that list of things of what we should be, of the idea of what community should be like, or the other version is we just start condemning others. Well, they don't live up to this either. And so this list, this beautiful thing, a beautiful picture of what community can be, becomes this picture of condemnation and guilt. That's not what it's meant to be. It's not what Paul sees it as. So when Paul's using this list, he's describing a perfect human. He's describing a human that has already lived this out and already shown us what this looks like. He's described one who has lived this for us and then saved us from the guilt and burden of it. See, Jesus comes and he cares so much that he dies on the cross for people. He admonishes us so strongly through his death that we are in deep need of him. He brings peace with people, not in a shallow way, but in an eternal and deep way. He warns Pharisees. He encourages faithful servants of God. He helps the weak. He doesn't pay back wrong with wrong. But in response to wrong, he lovingly sacrifices himself for our good. See, Jesus lives out this beautiful picture of what it means to live together. 
This could be just a list of good advice that I could give in any ethics lecture. But in Jesus, the good news of Jesus, this just becomes an opportunity, an opportunity to press into God, to walk with God, to be with him and see what he would have us be. 1 Thessalonians 5 is in the context of the whole book of Thessalonians and Paul has this massive emphasis in this book that our being shapes our doing. He says this in 1 Thessalonians 1.3, We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labour prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. That our faith produced work. That our love prompted labour. That our hope inspired endurance. That our being shaped our doing. God is at work in you. He is shaping who you are as a follower of Jesus to shape how you act. This is how it works. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. That's what God is doing. When, God's, when Paul says we're being sanctified as followers of Jesus, it means we're being made to be more like Jesus. It's not that you are making yourself more like Jesus. It's God is at work in you making you to be more like Jesus sanctifying you. And your future, may your whole spirit, soul, body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is at work. He is doing, he's covered your future. He's in your present and he's covering your future. And who is he? He's the one, the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. So when we see this beautiful picture of what community can be, what life can be, what we can do, it can be a burden or as we rest in who God is making us to be, and we rest in the fact he is working in us and that he has solved our future, that he is present with us and he will do it. Well, that list seems to become a burden and it becomes an opportunity and a joy. God is at work in you. Jesus has covered all your mistakes. So give it a crack. Love people as a joyous opportunity, not a burden. We care and admonish people towards Jesus because we've been cared and admonished by Jesus. We seek to live in peace with others because peace has been given to us by Jesus. We use the tools of warning, encouraging and helping because the Spirit is in us, warning, encouraging and helping us. We seek the good of others even though they have wronged us because we wronged God and he sought the good for us. The story of a girl uh, called Abby. When Abby was 16, she was a part of a youth group that I led. <coughs> and uh, she would often come to youth group and she would um, share how she was being bullied at school. She had trouble living with others. She had relational life tension. It was hard and it was exhausting. We'd pray for her every week. And uh, her mum offered for her to change schools. She said, no, no, I want to stay stay at this school. I've got some friends there. And I want to try and love those people. And so for the whole of year 12, she was praying for uh, this one particular girl who was bullying her. Uh, and at the end of year 12, that girl came to youth group. And all the youth group leaders were like in shock because we knew her. We'd been praying for her for a year. Uh, this isn't a fairy tale story. She didn't become a Christian. This is not like some miracle story. This is a real story. She came to youth group, though. Because Abby, living in a relationship with Jesus, abiding in him, trusting in him, holding to the hope, the faith, and the love that she had in Christ said, I'm going to try and love her. I'm going to pray for her and try and care for her. And a bully turned to a friend. 
We have an incredible effect upon those around us. We have an incredible effect upon each other now. In Jesus, we experience the glory and the garbage of life together. While knowing that God's got us and God's at work within us. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much for you. Thank you that in you we have life. In you we have the opportunity to be a community, to love each other, to care for each other in ways that are inexhaustibly beautiful. Father, we know that we can't do those things just off our own bat. We can't work out lists and then just make that happen. But those are a fruit and beautiful wonder of our relationship with you. Father, help us to live in your presence, to walk with you, to spend time with you, to live in the world with you, that you might bear the fruit and bring the fruit of love and care and encouragement in the way that we live with others. Father, shape us in who we are so that you might shape how we act. In Jesus' name, amen.